More than ever, we are in need to share the gospel. And Church at the Mill can't wait to do that with you in this podcast series, where we talk about who we are as a church and what we value. Join us for this spiritual and financial journey more than ever. Hey, welcome back. And thanks for joining us in this series of More Than Ever podcasts. I'm DJ Horton, the senior pastor of Church at the Mill. And we're taking some time during uh, the month of October to prepare ourselves mentally and emotionally and spiritually by thinking about the DNA of our church, of who we are, what we are, what we want to be about, what we desire, what we care about. And today, we're going to talk about a subject that is crucial to the health of our church. And it actually uh, could arguably be the most important subject because it has to do with the marching orders Christ gave us. And to talk about it, I got two very special Yes, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Jason, go first. I'm Jason Williamson. I'm the missions pastor. I've been at Church at the Mill as a church member since 2006, and I've been blessed to be able to celebrate 10 years this year as the missions pastor uh, on our campus and uh, working with our local ministry partners and our missionaries around the world. Cool. Thank you, man. 10 years. 10 years. Wow. 10 years. I should probably get you something. 10 years. I get it every day when I show up. That's exactly right. Andrew? Absolutely. I'm Andrew Smith. I'm the associate missions pastor here at Church at the Mill. Been a member uh, since 07 and uh, was sent out by the church as a full-time missionary with my family and then came back about four years ago and Mm. served in this role since then. Been an awesome privilege. So I'm shocked by both of y'all telling me 10 and 4. Because it, I knew obviously it'd been a, a quite a bit of time for you, Jason. But four years—that's mm-hmm. incredible. The other cool thing about uh, you two, Jason and Andrew, who lead our missions ministries, is mm-hmm. that both of you started as church members. Like you did not show up for a job interview. You know, the Lord orchestrated you into our church, and I got the privilege of sort of watching that. You know, Jason, when I met you, you were uh, a young believer. A relatively new husband mm-hmm. and a business guy. Yep. This year is the 20th anniversary of when I got saved, July mm. 1st, 2003. Mm-hmm. So when I came to the mill, uh, missions was really, really foreign to me and very far away from anything that I was going to focus on. And mm-hmm. so it was this church that provided the opportunity for me to be on my first trip and to grow in leadership, to be discipled, to disciple other people, to be a deacon, and then mm-hmm. to join our staff. That's really, really, mm-hmm. that's really cool. And Andrew, when I met you, you and Joanna were relatively young in your marriage, and you, you had graduated from Clemson, a landscaping degree, but had a call on your life to missions. I remember when we met, you guys talked about that. Absolutely. Yeah, we felt in in college the Lord leading us to be missionaries. We thought at first it was going to be separately, but then the Lord showed us it was uh, together as a married couple. And so we knew we knew when we came to church at the mill uh, that the Lord would be sending us out, but it didn't feel like it was you know just the right time. And so it was probably three and a half, four years before we made that transition to living overseas, which uh, which church at the mill celebrated and sent mm-hmm. us out uh, you know, on that journey and and supported us all along the way. So it was it was a fun time. It kind of feels like a dream in a way, you know, thinking back to our time eight years overseas, uh, just because of how different things were. But um, 
all along the way, just having the church at the mills, our church home, beating the drum of missions, and then Jason coming on too. So it was, mm. it was a cool thing. Well, Jason and I kind of have had the front row seat to watch what God's done through our church. You guys had an interesting experience in that you were a part of it, saw it, left, you know, served the Lord faithfully overseas, uh, n- n- didn't think a return was imminent. And then through a lot of circumstances, some very difficult, which is we'll get into later about how missions is hard. You know, you guys come back, and I think it's interesting the perspective you talk about how different the church was, not in a bad way, but just seeing the growth that God had given us. Absolutely. I mean, it almost felt like we were coming back to a different church Mm -hmm. altogether just because... You leave and you're familiar with everyone, and you you know you got friends, small group that you're a part of. Every you know, everybody's like family, and then you come back to a church our size, and it's like you're an outsider almost in a way. Not that I felt that way, but you know, you kind of are tempted to feel that way when you're walking into something so huge. But the DNA has always been there, you mm-hmm. know. And I remember sitting with you when I came on board and just talking about you know how important it is to be to be marching to God's orders, like you mentioned in the introduction, you know, in fulfilling the Great Commission and us being about that. So it's, it's that hadn't changed. Yeah, yeah and it never, it, and it never, and it never should. So when we think about Church at the Mill, one of the things we want to communicate through these podcasts, and for those of you listening, thank you again for taking a few minutes of your day to kind of tune in with us. Uh, we want to make sure people understand what's behind the curtain of what we do. For a long time at Church of the Mill, we've communicated our vision in a very practical way, which I think has been effective. We want people to gather, grow, give, and go. And that's really about uh, what we believe people need to do in order to faithfully follow the Lord. And that last G of the four Gs, that go, has everything to do with sharing our faith both locally and then, of course, internationally or outside of our context, whether that be nationally or internationally. But, but we're also taking some time during this season of, of this journey of more than ever to really go a step further in saying the go is motivated by value. Let me just read this value that, that we're communicating now. It simply says, we value the mission of God to the nations. So we go often and give sacrificially. Jason, what does it mean as our missions pastor for a church to value the mission of God? You know, we get asked a lot about how people can best prepare to go and be a part of a mission trip or to impact their community or even to share the gospel with a, a family member or a close friend. And uh, a lot of times those questions come out of a place where they, they feel inadequate. And really the bottom line is, and and where our value stems from, is if we acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior Mm -hmm. and that we have turned away from our sin, we already know more than the majority of the world. Mm. And that's a huge responsibility. We have to take that and, and, and more than ever, we have to go out into our community and we have to be that light. Mm. And uh, I think the value here is caught very quickly. I don't think that people have to be on our campus for a very long time before they see missions and they hear missions and they get a chance to experience what it is that we do every day, whether it's through getting a cup of coffee at our missions cafe, or they hear about a trip or they have an opportunity through their small group to serve in our community. That value is all around us. 
I think mm-hmm. that the people here would say that our church personifies that in the way that we focus outwardly. We, yeah. we want to equip our people inside, but we're just sending them out constantly. Yeah. Andrew, when you think about this as a church member who was sent out, you mm-hmm. know, Jason and I have given our lives to serving the local church, and that's our calling. I don't, I don't know that it's permanent. God might call me somewhere. I don't think he's going to. He, he might call Jason Somewhere there was a time early in Jason's ministry where I knew his love for specifically um, East Asia. I, I wondered, you know, if if he and his uh, precious wife Elizabeth and their children might end up on the field. And 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 that selfishly, I'm so thankful that they didn't because of the job he's done here. But you know, you you went out. You were on the receiving end of ascending church. What what did that mean to you? Well, um, that's a great question because going out, you know. And you're green. We had no experience other than a short-term mission trip, which, you know, was experience, but not the same as living somewhere in a new culture. And so going out, the support that you need, I think, is is huge, right? Like you, you don't realize it because you're just so focused on the the calling that you've uh, felt from the Lord and the, the reason that you're there. But Real quickly, you can feel lonely. You mm-hmm. feel like you're, you know, the only one in a place full of darkness trying to, you know, trying to reach folks for the gospel. And because you leave such a, a tight-knit group of people, you know, with the fellowship that we have at our church, with the great worship, all those things, and all that stuff immediately is gone right the the support from your folks back home you know the folks who sent you out and are sending you care packages and are checking mm. on you and are praying for you like that that is crucial man we, mm. we felt it you know there were several folks early early on who just really uh were committed to checking in on us right and mm. and those i think back now even now just thinking about how grateful i am for those folks and just just the feeling uh of encouragement that they that they gave me and in, in the connection you know, that's one of the things I, I know Jason would, would share the same sentiment. When we ask missionaries, you know, that we partner with, what, what do you need the most from us? They 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 never say money. They 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 talk about, of course, prayer, but they say we, we just want to feel connected. Yep. Because, you know, by default, if you're in a dark place, if you're in a pioneer area, you, you're not going to find a healthy, life-giving New Testament church in that community that your family flourishes in. If there were many of those, you, we might not need you there as a missionary. Exactly. And so, you know, the most important fellowship for believers is the fellowship of the saints outside, of course, the family that God instigated that God instigated first. So, Jason, you know, when you and Elizabeth came into our church, two young laymen, a laywoman, a layman, and uh, we were much, much smaller. I mean, we were the uh, traditional Baptist church that had uh, a committee that that did their best to mobilize some trips. Uh, when I, I always say when I became pastor of Church at the Mill, I, I, I did not, uh, I was not hired by a church that didn't believe in missions, but there's a difference between believing in missions and being mobilized for missions. And I would say that's true for most evangelical churches. I, I preach in very few that don't like the idea of missions, but I also preach in very few that strategically do something about it. So we've gone from you know, three or four hundred people in those early years, with a goal of one international trip a year, um, uh, some some giving out of our budget to to being a church of of thousands. And uh, I can't keep up with all the trips that happened and all the partnerships. 
as you've watched that journey unfold, what 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 stands out to you? What's meant the most to you about leading a church to being strategically mobilized for missions? You know, I think what resonates the most with me that I, I get a lot of joy in answering this question. I, I was asked by a peer of mine in another context um, recently. He said, "What is it that you do in order to get people to sign up for your mission trips?" And I said, "I, I post them online. <laughs> like that's mm. about it. We we don't have to do a lot of recruiting. Our people get it, mm-hmm. and, and that is not an instant thing. It's that's a combination right. of a lot of different things." It, and, it really is the result of our entire staff getting what the Great Commission is for. Uh, I, I talk to so many people in my position at other churches that don't have the same engagement from the pulpit that we have here. Mm. We don't have the same engagement uh, from small groups that we have here. And so our, our people are on board. Mm-hmm. And that is such a gift to me and makes my job so much easier and, and more exciting because our people get it. They yeah. want to serve. We get emailed or messaged constantly saying, where can I take my kids to go and serve in the community? Or mm. how can I involve my small group? Mm. Or how can I go on a, a trip for the first time? I feel God calling me out of my comfort zone. And like, that's a lot more of them coming to us now, where before yeah. it was the opposite. And yeah. it was it was us uh, training people and encouraging people and showing them on ramps. But now our focus is just on equipping. And we want to equip our church, of course, but we want a church. We want we want to equip the church in our community as well. And yeah. so we've opened doors through our global missions conference and other things, so that we can bring other people on that journey with us. Because the task is not just ours. What? Why is a church member a better church member if they engage in missions? Oh man, because they they get it and they understand more fully the goal. They they've seen a third world country. They've been in a place where they are not speaking the primary language. They've been in a place where they see depravity and sin. That's not Spartanburg County. Of course, those things are here, but they see it in a greater magnification when they're on the ground in another place. And so they just get it. And the thing is that the the people who are best on short-term trips internationally are the people who are doing those same things here in Spartanburg. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's no... I think one of the things I know I've said, and I've heard you say it, is that I don't know of a greater short-term discipleship opportunity than a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Because you leave the rhythm of your life, the circle of your influence, you know, you 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 leave the busyness of your schedule, and you, you do for five, seven, ten days the one thing Jesus left us here to do, which is to make the gospel known. So, Andrew, as a guy who answered the call to full-time missions, uh, that was on your life before you came to Church of the Mill, but Church of the Mill was the launch pad. What do you what do you think our future is in relation in relation to not just mobilizing wonderful church members to do short term missions, which is great, but seeing the next generation of missionaries called out of our church? That's a great question. It's one that Jason and I talk about all the time. You know, sending pipeline is kind of the technical term that we use for the folks in our church who we are praying over, who have expressed some type of interest in going in some way, right, giving their life uh, to missions or to being on mission in a, in a different way than than just their current career or job or school or whatever. And so I think, I think it's continually putting, um, you know, that, 
great commission before them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, going back to your question that you asked Jason about what makes a good church member, you know, uh, or what makes a church member, you know, good for going on a mission trip. I can't remember how you asked it, but um, I think it's just a simple act of obedience, right? I mean, we're called to go and make disciples of all nations. And so when we step out of our comfort zone and take that step of obedience to do that in the form of a short-term mission trip or, you know, local engagement here across the nation, um, I think it grows us spiritually. I think the Lord, you know, gives us his spirit in those moments in in a unique way and then I think as people, you know, step out on faith, they hear from the Lord. People are going to hear from the Lord. I mean, he's mm. going to call out workers into the harvest field oh, no as long as we're doing our part to continually put that vision before our church and say, hey, this is what it's about. It's not about, you know, just kind of circling up the wagons and having a you know great time here at Moore, South Carolina or, or Woodruff or, or Lake Cooley even. Like it's about getting the gospel into the ears of people who've never heard it before. I mean, in, go ahead, Jason. In, in my quiet time this morning, uh, James one twenty two talks about being doers of the word. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think through what a doer of the word does, mm-hmm. it's someone who uh, loves their neighbor well. Mm-hmm. It's someone who embraces the entirety of Scripture. It's somebody who is willing to share the gospel with somebody. Mm-hmm. It's somebody who's willing to um, have their dedicated quiet time every day. It's somebody who's willing to disciple someone else. It's somebody who's willing to lead a small group or park a car or serve in some way. It's someone who is not selfish with their tithes and offerings. It's someone who gets engaged and and supports local ministries and things like that. And and if we're we're gonna be successful at missions, we need a lot of doers of the word. We need a lot of people who um, are, are willing to embrace all of what God's word tells us to do and not just the things that we can do quietly or comfortably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, mission stretches people in so many different ways, but the the really neat thing and how it all ties together. And I know that this will be a, a part of our conversation uh, next, but you know, you don't have to get on a plane to be a part of international missions because mm-hmm. we never would have seen it 10 years ago or 34 years ago when the church was in its infancy. Right. But Spartanburg does not look like it did then. Mm -mm. Spartanburg is incredibly diverse. Spartanburg has so many internationals coming here. Yesterday when we were working in our food pantry, we had 37 families that we delivered food to and uh, 22 of them were first timers and most of them were Ukrainian. And so standing at a woman's trunk, Using a handheld translation device, I asked her, how, how can I pray for you today? And yeah. she said, I just want there to be peace so I can go back home. Mm. And so we've got people that and She's are right here. here. She's right here. She is right here. Yeah. And we've got people that are here from, their, their families are, are Indian. They are Chinese. They are Laotian. Mm-hmm. They're from all over the world, and they're in Spartanburg. You know, I think it's interesting that uh, the Lord in his kindness to reach people has told us to go. But he's also bringing them to us. So go doesn't necessarily mean an airplane for everyone, though mm-hmm. I think more should go than do. It, it, it means helping out at the food pantry and engaging people. You know, there is an immigration crisis. There's a border crisis. The world is changing. The world is shifting. And cr- Christians are certainly welcome to have their political views or how the country needs to solve that. But our first loyalty is to the kingdom. And if our neighbor is here, mm-hmm. uh, 
and, and does not know the gospel, uh, we we have to do something about it. So so let's uh let's flip the script just a little bit in our last five or six minutes. So so if if someone's listening to this, maybe they're a part of Church at the Mill. Maybe they just want to learn more about it. Uh, I certainly hope that our members are supporting this podcast. Um. A lot of good stories. I'm very proud. But what are we not doing well? Like, what's the next step in our development? You know, because we've not arrived. I'm not satisfied. You, you guys aren't satisfied. What, what, what's the next transition for us to be um, missional to a point that, um, that 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 we that we find ourselves even more faithful to the New Testament call when we see the church from its inception going out and sharing the gospel, Jason? Well, <clears throat> our, our desire is to see every individual, family, and small group serve in our community in some form or fashion. And so we, we've challenged all, all of our small groups to have a missions coordinator. They're getting there. Um, you know, that's somebody who is coordinating their events, whether it's monthly or a few times a year, mm. and, and just bringing people along with them to, to pour into our community where God has placed us all. And uh, so if we're going to be serious about that, that, that kind of serving is uh, infectious. You're going to mm-hmm. want more. You're going to want to go on a, a short-term mission trip. That's right. and, and our desire is for more people to be on a short-term mission trip so that statistically more people could feel the call into full-time missions or ministry. Yeah. And so uh, we've been incredibly blessed by having a number of church members being sent out that have either started a ministry in another country or have moved overseas full-time. And we want to see more of that. Yeah. So we have uh, some new partnerships that we'll, we'll um, be exploring in 2024 and beyond mm. so that it opens the door for more sending capacity on short-term trips. And, you know, we have um, a great ability to engage our local international community as well. Mm. And so uh, we need to do a better job of uh, engaging our neighbor. And I know that Andrew can talk a little bit more about what that means and some of the things that we're trying to do to encourage the neighboring kind of conversations with people. Well, I think one of the things to answer your question about what's the next level, Mm -hmm. I think we've battled here, not just at Church of the Mill, but I say here, like in the Bible Belt South, churches that we, you know, grew up in are like this. But like, you know, as I came into the role here four years ago, and, and have been, you know, just grinding and working. I feel like one of the mentalities that that I've seen is, hey, my my mission is packing a shoebox or, or or a food pantry box or I'm going to come and donate this item mm-hmm. or I'm going to give this or that. And all those are great things. I mean, I'm, I don't mean to, you know, say what I'm saying to downplay that. I think we got to have that, but we're good at that. Mm-hmm. We're really good at that. And so I think the mentality's got to change from, hey, my my mission, my involvement in missions and fulfilling the Great Commission is not limited to me packing a food box at a partner of ours so that it can be handed out. Mm-hmm. No, no, my mission, it needs to be pushed forward into the fact that I want to be the one that hands that food box off to that family so that I can have an opportunity to meet them, to hopefully be able to share with them about who Christ is share the and to get into that gospel conversation. Mm. I think I think we got to start thinking more like how can we take it to the next level spiritually when we 
when we try to serve the homeless, right? If you see the homeless person on the road right. and you're tempted to give them, sure. you know, whatever, a meal from, you know, a fast food restaurant or whatever the Lord lays on your heart, it's got to come with the gospel. The gospel. I heard a missions leader say once, if everything is missions, nothing is missions. And and I think for churches, all churches have their sweet spot of what they do well, you know, and, and, and if you stop there and don't push people to make Christ known. You, you can feed someone a warm meal and they still go to hell. Amen. And I think I think we've I, I almost take some of the blame because I think in in a way we've said, hey, go and do the food box, go and pack it, you right? Know, or bring it in or donate or this or that. Mm-hmm. And we've forgotten to also say, hey, but while you're doing it, man, like you've got to get to the gospel. You've got to love people right. you know, incarnationally. You got to be with them. You got to show them who Christ was, right? That's right. And so I think that's that's the next level is mm-hmm. bringing those two things together and really mm-hmm. pushing people to go, you know, into those deeper, harder conversations that, you know, a lot of times are not as easy to have. And to encourage the church and, and anyone who's listening, our ministry partners in our community, man, they love us. They, mm-hmm. they love our church. They love the volunteers. They are, they do backflips when they know that we're involved in something because they can trust us. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our people have a passion. And so, you know, I, I hope that our listeners will know that the things that they do, the time they give, the tithes that they give, that a, a large portion goes to missions. Our community knows that we are here and and that we're doing it for the kingdom mm-hmm. and not not for us and, right. and and really not for them either. Right. And so uh, the same would go for our ministry partners overseas. Man, they know and feel that they are being prayed for, and I think that is the best compliment I can give our church mm-hmm. is that the the people that we are partnered with strategically know that we're behind them. Yeah. With that said, you you alluded to it, and I want to end with this subject. You know, missions is not cheap. It's expensive. More than ever, it's a spiritual journey, but it's a financial journey. I I absolutely uh, will not apologize for telling our church, and if you're listening and you're part of Church of the Mill, we're, we're at a real crossroads. We are not in trouble financially. We're doing great. But our vision is so much bigger than even what we're accomplishing now with uh, locally, you know, with the expansion of campuses, with church planning nationally in places like Utah, Boston, with our international partners. And a lot of people might struggle with what's the connection between a campaign to ask people to give above their tithes and offerings and missions. And I think it's a good question. It it matters that we answer it. And my answer would be, and I'm going to give mine, then I want to hear yours, is that you know, when we uh, when we ask people to give above and beyond their tithes and offerings so that we can retire debt or that we can open another campus without dipping into our general budget, uh, it insulates and protects those dollars that we've set aside for missions. And at Church at the Mill, 20 cents of every dollar comes to you guys. In fact, Jason manages the largest. So he is the envy of everybody when we lay out spreadsheets. <laughs> he sure is. He, he, he manages yeah. the largest single budget uh, and with the exception of our executive pastor who kind of controls the purse strings of everything, n- n- no ministry oversees as much money. And I love that. Me too. Love that. And and I do, I've, I can say as a pastor, I've watched God provide in ways that are directly related to our commitment to missions. The more we give away, the more people we send, 
the more money he sends us and the more people he sends us. And again, he doesn't have to do that. We certainly can go through seasons of where things are tight. I, I recognize that. The world is volatile. Uh, but we've watched him honor his mission. I, I use the analogy of if God is wiser than all of us, and he is, and we understand investments. When I invest my little bit of money that's left over at the end of the month after I pay my grocery bill and car insurance and all that, when I invested in my retirement fund, I want that retirement fund to have the greatest return. Mm-hmm. I want my money to create a return so that Lord and I can have a future of financial stability. Well, if the Lord's looking down at churches to invest in, who's he going to invest in? If I were him, I'd invest in the churches where there is a return. And so I think it's important for people to recognize uh, missions is never going to be cheap. It's never going to be, quote, unquote, cost-effective as the world would define it. But it's also a non-negotiable. How have you seen that from your seat as the missions pastor? Well, let's go back four years to when we opened our current worship facility. It's our church that got us where we are today. And, Mm -hmm. And I mean that in that people come to our church every day because they've been invited by somebody else. Mm. Someone else loves our church enough to tell someone else about it Mm. and bring them with them and and try to share the gospel with them or at least get them here so that others can pour into them. So if we're going to look four years into the future, if all the people that we have now still tell one or two more people that they love about our church Mm. and about what Jesus is doing in their life, we continue to have a parking problem. Yeah, we do. We continue to have a problem where we we need to have more a campuses. A third service. That's right, or, or, or a seventh. And so we've <laughs> got to have more campuses so that we can put these people who want to desire to, to follow Jesus well. Mm. And so the thing about missions and, and how we can retire this budget in this debt is no different than my own household budget. If I didn't have a mortgage, holy cow, we could do all kinds of stuff. Mm. My kids would be able to smell Disney. Yeah. But we, we could do all kinds of things. Yeah. If we didn't have the the debt that we have now, right, we could send so many more people. We could invest in so many more church plants that are reaching unreached folks that are in Utah that are coming from the LDS church. We could we can invest in more missionaries that are going to be in the 1040 window and, yeah. and trying to tackle unreached people groups. It opens the door for us to do so much more and to send our own full-time missionaries mm-hmm. that we yeah. have uh, a strategic influence in. And we love what we do in partnership with the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board and our state cooperative program. We we invest heavily in those entities. Uh, But I think it would be a lot of fun Mm. to be able to send our own missionaries and have our own mission homes and our own mission businesses in other countries and uh, make an impact strategically in that way as well. Mm. That's so... That's, I think it's important for people to make that connection, that generosity creates more missions mobilizations. Absolutely. When we think about missions at our church, just, uh, just in a sentence or so, when you, when you dream a little bit, what, what, do you, what do you dream about? What do you see? You know, for me, the thing that brings me the most joy is when our church members get a chance to use their gifts and abilities for the kingdom. Mm. And I, I saw that on this last week when I was with a team in Boston and I saw somebody use some very unique gifts that they have. And uh, they were able to apply those in a way that they had not been able to apply them, you know, for the kingdom otherwise. Mm. 
and the joy that uh, that individual had was overwhelming. And I, I think that now they've got a in their family, they've got to have some discussions about a calling. Amen. And that's what really fires me up mm. is is allowing other people to tap into that because God got my attention by sending me to East Asia to play basketball and and started doing a lot of photography in other places. So God took my interest and used it for his good. Yep. And, and that's what I want to see. Amen. I want to see more of our church members explore how their gifts and abilities, whether it's professionally as a doctor or a teacher and how they could apply that in another country, mm-hmm. or if it's something very unique about their gift of, of mm-hmm. teaching or right. the trade that they know and right. how that could be an inroad for them to have a platform in another place. Mm. Andrew? Yeah, I think about, um, I mean, just specifically our involvement in our community with internationals, right? I mean, we've uh, talked a little bit about Hispanics, and that's something that's close to my heart because that's you know, language that I speak. And so, I mean, I'm fired up about the opportunities that we've got right here to make disciples of all nations in Spartanburg, yeah. in Spartanburg County. So that's, I mean, I'm super excited about it. And that. to me, what's full circle about what you both said is that if you take what you just talked about, Jason, of using the context of missions to let people explore more obedience, and then if you lay that on top of engaging the world that's here in Spartanburg, not not in any way canceling our overseas or foreign efforts. But can you imagine mobilizing those people to reach their people? Their country. uh, Their country, because they have access in places we don't have. The Lord's up to something. And he's doing something there. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, thanks for taking a few minutes to be with us. We just scratched the surface of what it means to value the mission of God, to go off and to give sacrificially. And if you're a part of Church at the Mill, it's my desire that you make the connection between more than ever and missions. And that your commitment to our church spiritually, missionally, and financially reflects that you share this same desire. Jason, Andrew, thank you for your time today. And for those of you listening, stay tuned for our next podcast. We always appreciate your feedback. God bless you. Mm